0: Amen. So this is something. Um, this is something that God spoke to me about in the week, and it was a series of things. So, you know, I think, uh, look, we're going to be busy with it this morning, tonight, next week as well with the Eden Port. Uh, it is part of a series called Types and Shadows, and the reason I'm calling it Types and Shadows is because we're going to go to other places and things, so God's talking about Enoch and a lot of things like that, just things that uh, we want to open up to you, but I need your spirit to be opened, and uh, uh, this is not just to get great knowledge or anything regarding something, but it is to activate you in a certain area. Are you guys with me? And uh, uh, it is to activate you, so... I want us to get into it, and I even though the Lord opened it to me in the week, I really only got to uh, my stuff, I think, uh, last night, ten o'clock. So, um, and it is so deep, so that's why it's going to require it's going to require um, two weeks of things. And even today, I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish with everything. Um, but say with me, Eden. So I want us to get into it. go through to Hebrews chapter number six, verse 11. And as you know, in the mornings we teach. In the evenings, we kind of like preach. Well, mornings we also preach, teach and preach. But uh, we do our ministry in the evenings, unless the Holy Spirit immediately directs me in the morning for somebody or ministers to somebody. But we kind of like stick it to to the notes. You know, I've seen churches, I've been around, and I've seen churches that were both in their morning and their evening services. They would just lay hands all the time on people. Uh, I've seen it. I've I've been around. I've preached in those churches. And you'll never see them grow beyond a 100, max. Because that is power, that is power, and that is importation. But it's the word that makes you grow up. Are you guys with me? And uh, 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 so, so <clears throat> that can be stirred up every week, and everybody can have a great anointing, and so on. But then it, uh, it is you know, it's just people become become very uh, space cadets, and we've always you know, Jesus says you have not known both the word and the power. Meaning that uh, uh, he said, if you have only the word, you, you go in error. If you only have the power, you go in error. But you need both so that you don't go into error. Error doesn't mean that there's no anointing. Error simply means that there's error in the doctrine. Are you guys with me? Can they on the stage drop the lows, but just on the stage, not up there? On the stage, just drop the lows a little bit and see if it can just make my voice a little bit like uh, sharper for me. So Hebrews 6, verse 11. Let's get into it. So, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Next verse. That you do not become sluggish. Say with me, sluggish. So the word sluggish simply means slothful. It means lazy. He says, "I don't want you to become lazy. I don't want you to become sluggish in doing what in the following, but imitate." So we imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherited promises. Now this means twofold. It means those who are alive that have inherited promises already. And those who have passed on, like uh, if we would look at Enoch or would look at this one and that one, that have inherited promises. Are you guys with me? So he says we must not become sluggish. What does it mean? I must not become sluggish in, uh, in my ability to follow someone. So when it comes to discipleship, You need somebody who's able to disciple someone and you need somebody who is a follower. But he says to the followers, I don't want you to become sluggish. Why? Because in this is your success. Are you guys with me? Jesus knew if he could have a few that could follow him, he could change the world. Are you guys with me? What did he do with those few that were close to him? He opened up secrets to them. He opened up revelation to them as well. He didn't just stay with the milk of the Word, but He was able to go into the meat of the Word. So, so let's go. Let's jump to Romans 15, verse 4. I'm going to try not to sidetrack this morning. <clears throat> Romans 15, verse 4. It says, For whatever things were written before, say with me, before, which is the old covenant, were written for our learning." that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Let's go to Hebrews 8, verse 5. And these, I'm just using as introduction Scriptures. It's just my voice is a bit gone. It's not the sound. The sound sounds great. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's not reaching. Like, we still need to fix these things. Eh? I like, like, put the speakers in that we want. We need to get them out to demo or something. But uh, just so that I can have a sharper, clearer sound. Okay, Romans 8, verse 5. Says, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things? So, with you, the copy, so earth is a copy of heavenly things, amen. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, See, you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So he's saying, I want you to build a tabernacle on the earth because there's one that is in heaven. There's one that is in Mount Zion. Are you guys with me? But there's a tabernacle in the garden. There's a tabernacle in the heavens. There's a tabernacle of Moses. There's a temple of Moses. There's a temple of New Jerusalem. There's a temple in the garden. There's a temple in the heavens. And then there's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And everything is a poppy. Of things that were already done. So this week when it comes to Eden, I'm not going to get into the things of the temple. I'm going to do that next week. Because it opens up big. And I want to show you everything that is in Eden. How it is in here. Are you guys with me? Where's the Ark of the Covenant right now? Where's the Holy of Holies? It is in me. Because I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. A temple not built by the hands of God, but built by the hands of man. Are you guys with me? Oh, sorry. Temple is not built by the hands of man, but built by the hands of God. Very simple. Built by the hands of God. So we're no longer in a temple that is built with brick and mortar, but we're in a temple that is, that is, that is handcrafted by God. So I want you to listen to Eden. Because people think there's so little about Eden. We can preach for... I was thinking I'm just going to do two weeks on Eden. Then we go to the next. But I can do much more. Uh, Let's go to Genesis 2 verse 8. Genesis 2 verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there... Say with me, eastward. Okay, that's very... Kind of like important. And he put the man whom he had formed. And there he put the man he had formed. Okay, so he didn't form him in the garden. He formed him somewhere else. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the light and good for food, that the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ, was also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil was also in the midst of the garden. Now, you know that I say a tree is not a tree and fruit is not fruit. Everything in the Garden of Eden was symbolic, even though it is a reality. But coming from the Jewish tradition or the Hebraic tradition, especially in the Mesopotamian times and before that, the Edenic times, when this was told, it was never written down, it was stories that was told from one to the other. There were stories that was told and passed on. So it, they was using certain objects to explain certain things. In the realm of the spirit, trees are people, and people are trees. Are you guys with me? And we'll maybe teach on it. We'll maybe teach on it. It's in the scripture, don't worry. Be like a cedar tree planted by the rivers. Jesus, the vine, and we are the branches. Are you guys with me? We are oaks of righteousness. The trees clapping their hands. So trees are alive in the garden of Eden. So when, when, when Eve took of the fruit, it was not a fruit she ate. It was words she listened to. So the tree was not a tree. The tree was a being talking to her. Why? How can you say that? Because there was another tree there called the tree of life which is Jesus Christ. Which means they didn't listen to Jesus, they listened to some other being. They listened to another son of God. Not the son of God, which is Jesus Christ. He is the only begotten son. Lucifer was a created son. So we have Benahai Elohims. We are not begotten sons. We are not created sons. We are adopted sons. That is why adoption is more powerful than created. So God knew everything when He adopted you to say that you're going to be in a position higher than what Satan had and that He will not be able to remove you. Are you guys with me? So let's go deep. Have your seats. I don't want to go off. So listen, verse 10. Let's go to Genesis verse 10. 2 verse 10. 2 verse 10. It says, Now a river, say with me a river, when we were to get into the thing with the river, went out of Eden to the water, the garden. So a river came out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. Go to Ezekiel 28, verse 13. Ezekiel 28, verse 13. Because this morning I want to answer a question: where is Eden? Or who is Eden? So Ezekiel 28, verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Say with you, the garden of God. Now we see something totally st- different. So he says, Every precious stone was your covering the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. So we sing precious stones in the garden. So he says that you have the garden. So let me explain it like this. I don't have an image to show you really. But uh, this is how it was depicted in ancient times. Was that you have the garden of God in heaven. And you have the garden of Eden on the earth. And then you have Eden in between. Let me say it a bit better. You have garden of God on the heavens, the spiritual realm. Where a river flows out of. Are you guys with me? Sorry, a garden of God, and then you have Eden. But Eden is in between, and out of Eden flows a river that goes into the garden that's on the earth. So it's vertical, like this. It's the garden of God. It's Eden is the conduit. So the river is coming out of heaven, but the, the, the Eden is a conduit, it's a place of transportation, it's a portal. And that puts you in the garden. That's why the Bible says that the garden was planted eastward of Eden. Because Eden is vertical, but the gardens are horizontal. So just stay with me. So it was there by the garden by Eden where God would come down and visit Adam and walk with him. Are you guys with me? It was in the garden of God that Lucifer was. Before he, before he fell, and after he fell actually. But it, the garden of God was where Adam would go to and be seated in heavenly places. And then he would come down and work in the garden on the earth. The garden he had to tend on the earth. And then he would go up for a rest in the heavenlies. And he would have his rulership from there. Because Adam was given as the ruler of the earth. Before Adam was the ruler of the earth, Lucifer was the ruler of the earth. Are you guys with me? This is normal new creation realities. Uh, this is what we, what we teach in the Bible college as well. So Satan, Lucifer was the ruler of the earth. He was a Benahai Elohim, as well as a cherub, as well as an angel. So uh, uh, then he, we see in Jeremiah chapter number four, verse 24, you don't have to go there, he messed up. And that's where the fall took place. And there were cities that were desolate before Eden or before Genesis 1 verse 2. Are you guys with me? Before Genesis 1 verse 2. And then there were cities that were desolate, that were built already. And then Adam comes on the scene. Then there was a flood and then Adam comes on the scene. So let's go on. Let's go for me to Genesis chapter number 2 verse Adam. I'm going to read it again. Genesis chapter number two verse eight. The Lord God planted a garden. So I'm going to speak about Adam and Eve just a little bit. A uh, garden eastward in Eden. And they put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow. Is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10. Now a river went out of Eden. To water the garden. And from there it parted. And became four river So the four rivers. So one river became four rivers. Are you guys with me? The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilla. Where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellum and the onyx stones are there. The name of the second river is Gion. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river river, is Hidekel. It is the one which goes towards the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Are you guys with me? So there's a physical representation of these rivers, but there's a spiritual connotation as well. The rivers represent Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, and then pastor, teacher, one gift. Are you guys with me? Are you guys with me? Zedano mm-hmm. Sudo. So so just looking for something. So you have the four faces of an angel. What is the four faces? I think it's ox, man, eagle, lion. Is that right? Four faces. You have winter, summer, spring, autumn. So you have four seasons. So what is it speaking about? It's speaking of different expressions. So the rivers in Eden had different faces. It's called the multi-face of God, the multi-dimensional face of God. It had different seasons, meaning where there's rivers, there are different seasons. There's different It's seasonal. Are you guys with me? It is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which means it is connected to the gospel, being spread in different ways. So Matthew would speak in a different way than Mark would speak. Mark would speak in a different way. There were four entrances to the temple. There's northeast, southwest. There's the north wind, south wind, east wind, west wind. Are you guys with me? And so we can go on and on and on about four things, and four things that are created, because four speaks of creation. So the rivers that came out of Eden were rivers of creation. So where the rivers flowed, creation took place. It's important to remember this. Are you guys with me? So, so let's just touch on the first river. Say so with me, Pishon. What does the river mean, Pishon. It means prosperity. Say with me, prosperity. It says, because it says, there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. The gold of the land is good. So the word Pishon means increase in the Hebrew. But it also means to be a, to carry the fullness of God. Are you guys with me? The fullness. Say with you, the fullness. So it is a river of full flowing, it is a river of increase, it is a river of prosperity that is in Eden. Ephesians 3 verse 19 says that we might know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness. Where's the scriptures, guys? Please, please, please. I don't see any scriptures coming up as I'm reading. So with you, the fullness of God. So it says that you may now be filled with the fullness of God, John 1 verse 16 in the Amplified. John 1, 16 in the Amplified, and I'm rushing a little bit because I want to get it out, I meaning I want to get it done in time. John is John 1, verse 16. Out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we're all supplied with one grace after another. So if you one grace. After another. So we were all supplied by what? By an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor and a teacher. Four gifts. Pastor and teacher is one gift. So he says one grace and another, but also not only that. You receive grace upon grace. There's shouts of grace and grace. Are you guys with me? Under the new covenant, the new testament that we're living, it is a testament and a covenant and a dispensation of grace. So he says one grace after another and spiritual blessing, so with me, spiritual blessing, upon spiritual blessing. And then it goes on, he says, "Even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift, meaning that you will have heaps of gifts that will be upon you." Uh, where is this? me, so in the fullness? Where's the fullness in the river? Where's the river in Eden? Are you guys with me? Can you hear me? Okay. The sound is, is, is it's. I'm battling with it on stage. It's dull. or right? my voice is dull. Okay. But uh, as long as it's reaching out out there. It feels flat. It feels dull. Uh, so, so say with me the river of fullness. Say the river of increase. Of prosperity. Let's get to the second river. Gion. Gion. It means... To overflow, it means a bursting forth, a gushing and a breakthrough. So with you, bursting forth, say gushing and say breakthrough. It is a river of overflow, meaning that the first river is the one that feeds you. It's a river of prosperity and fullness. But the second river is a river of overflow, meaning it is a river that breaks forth. It is a river that goes beyond you to touch others. Go Micah chapter number 2 verse 13. Micah chapter number 2 verse 13. It says the one who breaks open. The breaker. Say with you, the breaker. The Messiah will go up before them. They will break. Say I will break through. I will pass in through the gates. And go out through it. And their king will pass on before them the Lord at their hand. He said, listen here, there's a breakthrough through a gate. I preached to you before that who is the gate? You are the gate. And you have the ability. The Bible says, lift up ye heads, O ye gates, so that the king of glory may enter in. So you have a door and a gate that you can open. Isaiah says, my gates will always be open. That the treasures of the Gentiles and the nations can come in 24 hours a day. And trade can be done 24 hours a day. Say, I am a gate. Say, I am a door. So this is, listen, listen. This is where the nature of God comes out of us to bless others. So is the river of Gion. John 4 verse 14 in the message version. John 4 verse 14 in the message says, Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. So he says, in you will be fountains of endless life when you drink this water. Hey guys, with me. So it's a river of overflow. And so in so Eden, there was a river of breakthrough, of gushing, of overflow. This can do the third river. So Hiddekel. Say again. Say Hiddekel. The Bible says there was a river Hiddekel, the third river. Even though Eden is a location, it's not a location. And I'll get towards that towards the end of the message. Even though Eden is a location, it's not a location. We read stuff and listen to stuff as if we are still in Sunday school or kids' elementary. There are spiritual things to these things. There are mysteries. There are secrets. Eden is not a garden. The garden is separate from Eden. Out of Eden flowed rivers Isaiah 49 verse 1. You can just keep it on the screen. So the word Hedekal means swift, it means darting. It is actually a word picture of a swift arrow in flight. Are you guys with me? So the third river that says Hedekal speaks of an arrow that is being shot. It is a picture of a, somebody not lying down passively but an arrow being shot. Isaiah 49 verse 1 says, Listen, O Kosalans. To me and take heed you people from before the lord called me say the lord called me remember the word called from the womb the, from the matrix of my mother he has made mention my name and he has made my mouth sharp like a sword in the shadow of his hand he has hidden me and he made my poly, me a polished shaft of an arrow in his quiver of arrows he has hidden me So what is it? He says, arrow speaks of calling and purpose. So the river, the third river, is a river of purpose and a river of calling. Are you guys with me? 2 Kings 13 verse 17. 2 Kings 13 verse 17. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians till you have destroyed them. So the river is also speaking of the arrow of deliverance. So the third river is a river of calling, a river of purpose, and a river of deliverance that is taking place. So in Eden there was calling, there was purpose, and there was deliverance. Are you guys with me? So then the fourth river, Euphrates. So the Euphrates. It's the river of sweetness and fruitfulness. Are you getting this? I haven't got into the revelation yet at all. Are you are you getting this? I see people in the back, like not shaking their heads. And I'm just opening up. It'll go deeper as we go on with this. Euphrates means to be sweet and to be fruitful. Uh Paul says in Corinthians, I mean, you don't have to go there, but he says, I am a sweet-smelling aroma, a perfume, that we might be a sweet-smelling perfume uh, to those who are lost. Meaning, it's the anointing that's on you. The anointing is the perfumer, the apothecary, the, 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 uh, the, um, the Bible speaks of the art of the perfumer. The art of the perfumer's ointment. The art of the perfumer's anointing. So Jesus is the apothecary. He is the one who creates the perfume. You are the one that receives the perfume. What is the perfume? It's the anointing. There are certain perfumes. Let me explain. Uh, You can wear whatever you want to wear. Gucci. What people think is good and it's not good. What else is there? I don't know. Uh, you know, you can wear those things, but then you get another perfume, and it's called Creed, Aventus Creed. And the moment you wear it, it trumps and has dominion on every other perfume. If you walk in a room, people smell it. I'm not speaking of fire and ice or, uh, or that stuff. Okay. amazing that that God would take perfume and connect it to the anointing. Meaning that when the prostitute washed his feet with perfume. When the prostitute washed his feet with perfume, she washed his feet with an anointing. Meaning, out of the prostitute came an anointing. Are you guys with me? Jesus was born from the lineage of Rahab who was a prostitute. And she lied. She hid the spies away from the enemies. And because she lied, she inherited eternal life. I want you to understand this. I'm not going to preach to you your, your, your uh, AFM in here. No, because she lied, because she did that. The Bible says in in, in Hebrews 12, 11, because she did that, she was accounted in faith, in the hall of faith. By faith, she lied. And yet, Jesus chose out of her to be born out of her lineage and her genealogy. So the perfume, this river, the last one, Hidakal, I think it's the fourth one, is a river of anointing, a river of perfume. It is the anointing that you have on your life that allows others to smell it. Do you look like the world or do you stand out? If you're in your business, do you look like them or do you, can they smell the anointing on you? Can they smell that there's something different about you? I don't know if you guys understand what I'm saying. Let's go on, let's go on. I need this revelation to drop. So we see this river of Eden, the river of sweet-smelling anointing coming out of Eden. So in the New Testament, we go through to John 4.10. John 4.10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God." And who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So with the living water. Let's go to verse 11. So Jesus says, he had, I have living water in me. Let's go to four, 4 verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. He's speaking of eternal life. Are you guys with me? But the water that I shall give him Him will become in Him, say will become, say will become in me, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So Jesus is saying literally, listen, He's saying this will become a fountain of water to the one who receives it. But even if we want to go deeper, living water is prophecy. Are you guys with me? He says to her, But where is it? I can carry on reading. Let's carry on reading. Next verse. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. Now she says, Give me this water, so that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. What does Jesus do? He said, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And no one whom you know now is your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So she said, Give me of the water that I may drink. And he began to prophesy over her. People don't understand prophecy. Peter says, Jesus, we cannot leave you because you carry the words of life. He had living waters inside of him. And as he carried living waters in him, anybody whose well is full will be able to prophesy over people and give them words of life. Are you guys with me? Let's go to John 7 verse 38. So not he saying, you'll receive a fountain of water springing up. John 7 verse 38. I want you to put in the Amplified. I want you to read this. Let's read it all together. He who believes. Let's go a little bit deeper. John 7, verse 38, change it to New King James because it's not dropping to you yet. Heart. So, with the heart has four chambers. Let me read it again. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, out of his heart will flow four rivers of living water. Out of the four chambers of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So, if the river flows out of Jesus. And Jesus was the last Adam. Then the first Adam, rivers also flowed out of him, which means that Adam was flow at rivers flowing out of his heart. This means Adam was Eden and Eden was Adam. Mm, but Jesus said, Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. If he was the last Adam, and we are a full image of his, a, a copy of his image. We are born in his image. Rivers flow out of your heart. So if Adam was Eden where the rivers flew out of, because listen to me, this is how the picture was. The garden of God would be here. Adam is Eden, and the garden of the earth would be underneath his feet. And where he would walk, the garden was. But he was the portal between the garden on the earth and the garden of God in heaven. But Give me more scripture. I will give you many scriptures. For you are a walking Eden. You are a walking garden. Mm, Jacob even. The Bible says that Jacob took a stone. He anointed the stone. The moment he anointed the stone, angels ascended and descended upon the stone. But the book of Peter says that we are living stones, which means that wherever you walk, angels go up and down. If God wants to visit the earth, He visits the earth through a man. If he wants to come into a business, he uses man as Eden to become his his avenue. And man has to tend to his garden. So, listen. The Jewish scholars will tell you that the garden of God is here when you get into the physiology copy of the body. That the garden of God is here. Eden... Is here the cere- Is this a cerebellum? I'm not exactly sure. Here and the garden on the earth is here. We call this the lower parts, the density. That is why when you fast, you feel more spiritual. The more you eat gluttony, you feel unspiritual. You can no longer detect spiritual matters, you can no longer detect spiritual things. Everything from here downward is carnal according to if you study ancient Jewish custom and the intestines is shaped like a serpent so when you eat too much you're feeding the serpent it's very simple It's even proven medically, to eat less is better. Are you guys with me? To be optimal, even as soldiers, it was the ability, the moment you eat, what is happening? Your mind is clouded. You're fatigued. You feel like, oh, I cannot do this right now. Why? Because this is your second brain. The moment you eat, your brain is busy working on consuming the food. So it removes focus. It removes sensitivity. So the more I eat, the more I'm feeding a lower nature. So you have certain fasts. You have fasts of food. You have what we call the soul fast. That is really to open your spiritual eyes. You have, um, uh, and these days people need a soul fast because their dopamine receptors are so messed up then uh, then you have a sexual fast, which the Bible speaks about. Because all of it is relative to the lower nature of a man, the carnal nature. And uh, when people want to have spiritual experiences, whether they want to, you know, the Bible says that man was put into the garden to tend to the garden. So, the garden is yourself, the lower part, and the garden is the earth. It is very allegorical, very symbolic. But I must tend to it, and I must keep it. Now, when we look at the temple, the, we call it the temple of the garden, the temple of Gan, in in Hebrew. That there was a temple. If we look at the garden of Eden, there was things that is in the center. The tree of life in the center, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then it goes outer courts, outer courts, outer courts, and get to a gate. We are a temple. In you is the tree of life, and in you is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Paul says, I have this thing in me. The thing I want to do, I cannot do. And the thing I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And I don't know why. But it feels like there's this wrestling and this nature in me. And he said, I came to the conclusion that this man is delivered by Jesus Christ. And he goes on and so on. But he's saying, he's not denying the fact that he had two natures in him. The one representing the law, the other one representing grace. The one representing death, the other one representing life. The one representing sight, and the other one representing eyes to be closed. Are you guys with me? When I say the one representing eyes to be closed, it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The moment they ate of it, their spiritual eyes closed and their natural eyes opened. Because the Bible says their eyes were opened as they ate it. Okay, but how did they see before? By their spiritual eyes. And they saw men as trees and trees as men. That is why the blind man that Jesus prayed for, as he prayed from the Bible says that he saw men walking as trees and trees as men. And Jesus prayed for him again, and then his natural eyes opened, and he saw men walking. So when Adam and Eve was in the garden, they didn't look through their natural eyes in the beginning. they looked through their spiritual eyes. So when they saw a tree, it was a man, and they understood it everything at that time, but they were receiving fruits from a being. There was no serpent really in the garden, it was Satan. Take if we say there was a serpent in the garden, we are in big trouble now because it means every serpent is cursed. Are you guys with me? And it is not the case. So Satan took the form of a serpent or the nature of a serpent, because a serpent is cunning. So he took the nature of a serpent. So please understand, these things, it gets a little bit deep. Is that okay? A lot of us think there was a tree with a serpent wrapped around them. No. If you really get into into the language, you'll see that it was the tree that was speaking to him. And I can get, this is not a message today, but the Bible says all the other trees were envying the one tree that was the tallest. How can a tree envy? How can a tree speak to Jesus which had happened? Are you guys with me? And the Bible says that Jesus cursed the tree by its roots. Meaning he went straight back to Eden where the tree came from. And he cursed the tree at Eden. And the Bible says he was pulled out by its roots. It was pulled out from Eden. Are you guys with me? So say four chambers. chambers. Four chambers flowing, four rivers. So, Eden, or let me say it like this say with me, Christ in me. But wait, give me another scripture. Let's let's let's. So, sit with me. I'm just wrapping my mind. Say, I'm a location. It says, Christ in me. If Christ is in me, I'm a location. If I am in Christ, Christ is a location. In the spiritual realm, you are a location, you are a gate. You are a tree. Be like a tree planted by the rivers, whose leaves shall not wither, but shall give fruit all seasons. And you see everywhere the Bible speaks of trees, where the trees clap their hands in the Bible. Are you guys with me? Be oaks of righteousness. And please, I'm not getting into Hinduism or, or, or whatever you call it. Tree huggers, what do the people call these, these guys? This, this thing, Hinduism. You know, I understand Hinduism as the tree of life. I think it's Hinduism. They subscribe to that thing, Buddhism. I'm not exactly sure. I can tell you that I'm not into it. We just go into the Bible, we're just opening up the Bible. All religions, anyway, comes from a certain source. There's only two religions in the whole world it's the religion of works and the religion of grace. Only Jesus Christ, only the gospel, out of every single other religion, you did say you don't have to do anything, you just believe. Every single other religion you have to do works. Every single other religion is works-based. Islam works-based. Mormonism work based Are you guys with me? The gospel is the only one that is not work-based. So we have two gospels. I say we have two religions, grace and the law, grace and works. So every religion comes from a source which is kind of like when it comes to Scripture. It is derived out of there. Are you guys with me? 1 Corinthians 3.9, but how do I am garden? 1 Corinthians 3.9 in the Amplified Version. I want you to read this. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, amplified. Read it. Say, for we. Say it again. You are God's garden and vineyard and field under pavilion of your God's building. So you are a city. You are a building. You are a garden. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So you are a walking Eden. Wherever you go, people can find covering. They can find shelter. Wherever you go, rivers come out of you. Rivers of living water will flow out of your belly, but also out of your hearts. So there's a river of prosperity. Mm. There's a river of gold that flows out of you. There's a river of overflow that flows out of you. Breakthrough. The Lord of Perez. The breaker that comes out of you. Come on, are you guys with me? Then there's a river of sweetness that comes out of you. The anointing. Then there's a river of deliverance and purpose that comes out of you. Meaning if you get into your true identity, you will have a purpose in life. You will be like an arrow shot at a target. You will have a goal. You will know exactly where you are going and you will hit the target bullseye. Are you guys with me? Say with me, I am, I am Eden. We preach prophetically. So all theologians will get upset. No, not even. They shouldn't if they are right. Have your seats, Because you can't deny this. And what am I doing? I'm just using Scripture to interpret Scripture. Are, are you guys with me? So, 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 so. Eden... I said, you are a walking Eden. You are a walking open heaven. You are a walking living stone. Eden was the place where God communed with Adam. The Bible says God would come down and walk in the garden in the cool of the day. We think as God is still as a certain physical location. Yes, there is. You have your secret place. You have the church. There's altars, but you are an altar. How many of you know finances come to an altar? That is why, do you know there's a very reason we ask people to stand up and come here. And I don't care how big we get, we will still do it. Because there's an altar that is created. And I know what it is when preaching or revelation is there because if revelation comes, there's an altar. There's a certain location where it must be given. From day one, we have never given things out, except when it comes a little bit to the vision fund just for the sake of time. But it is bringing it to the altar. Now, yes, we have EFT and all those things. That's fun. But I still keep this concept there. And I encourage people to take an envelope. If you're going to EFT an amount, write EFT the amount and write your name. You know, in South Africa, we have such pride issues, I'm telling you. Let me tell you how America works. I wish South African can get there. Or at least our church can get there in the future when we we, uh, build and when we are big and so on. In America, everyone who gives... They are on a system, so if you get upset, just deal with Mammon. They are on a system on the church. Exactly every month, how much they've given every single church. Exactly every month, how much they've given because there's obviously tax and stuff like that that they get. Uh, um, that they that they that they uh, you know if you give into a into a uh, like we are a non-profit. It's tax. Uh, what do you call it? It's tax. Uh, no, it's tax exempt. So um, our 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 uh, charities is tax deductible. The church is tax exempt. There's a reason we don't do the church tax deductible. And anybody that is a uh, that understands those things will know, because then they limit everything. They come into the church and say, "You get that's a little salary." Uh, 80% has to go to community works. Then what do we do? You you understand what I'm saying? So the church is tax exempt. But what it means tax exempt is that you don't pay tax. But then charities, why do we want people to give into charities? Because it's tax deductible. We have our charity. So when you give into hope, even as a business person, it's tax deductible. You can get a certificate for that. Are you guys with me? And uh, please support the Christmas thing so that we don't have to take from the church to give it. You who are blessed, you who know you have Christmas, give Christmas to somebody else. Give Christmas to five people. I always, every year I say I'm going to do this amount of buckets or this amount of things, and I do that for myself. Whether it's 10,000 or or more, sometimes I'll do more, sometimes I'll do less, but that, that is what I feel. If I can have Christmas, if my kids can have toys, then I can give it to somebody else. And Again, you can get tax deductible on that. Now, don't be, don't be foolish and like, ah, how dare you not want to answer me? I need tax deductible, but you gave 10 grand. Okay, it's so really only going to benefit you at, uh, at big amounts. So some people are like leaving churches because they're not getting a tax-deductible certificate, but they, they give like to five grand. You're not going to get tax deductibles on that. Are you guys with me? So, but if you have business and so, I mean, we will give whatever we can. But um, and we have the systems now in America. How it works is that everybody's on a system, and uh, 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 you can actually see who are givers and who are not. You can see who are part because they are open like that. They believe in supporting the churches. There are people that leave their inheritances for churches. There are people that leave their policies for churches. They put the policies in their church. They put their church in their inheritance. Because if anybody is wealthy, they know that money doesn't go to the children. Come poverty minded South Africa. Let's deal with it. If you ever want to destroy somebody, you leave them with money. Give them opportunity. Empower them. But if you want to destroy somebody, that's why you'll see many wealthy people, they, they set their kids up or so a little bit, but they give towards a charity because or something that can leave a legacy. And uh, that is why, because they've made that as a vow in their, in their, in their inheritance type thing, it's, it's uh, God already begins to bless them because it's a vow, it's a pledge. You see, a vow paid to God is as if it is already done. Always remember the power of a vow. I'll preach on the power of a vow. It is as if it is already done. So when you give a vow, a realistic vow, okay? Not say, God, I'm going to give you a million. You've never seen a million. No, a realistic vow. And uh, it's something that you can attain. And God knows that you're going to fulfill it. You can fulfill it. And, but it is a bit of a sacrifice. God counts it as if it is already done. Just like that. So when I do, when they do in an America, and they put churches on their insure on their on their on their policies or their or their uh, inheritance and so on, in, on their estates—the correct word on their estates—they they um, they, uh, they already get blessed, and God begins to bless those businesses. But when we are in a third world country, we think we just uh, want to make it so that we can just give everything to our kids, and then we destroy them. Set your kids up, but don't don't, uh, you know, when you sit with people who are wealthy, they'll tell you, it doesn't go to our children. They set them up and there will be a type of inheritance, but they know that once that money comes through, those kids are destroyed or kids are waiting on that. They don't do anything up until they're 40 waiting for their parents to die. Seen with my own eyes. I've seen how somebody inherited 300 million at the age of 20, 21 destroyed, gone. Parents destroyed them. If they would have set something up, they could have saved their kids, They could have made him successful. Are you guys with me? So, um, uh, 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 I don't know how I got off onto that. But say with me, Eden. Oh, altar. We went to altar. So there's an altar. But then the Bible goes a little bit deeper to say that you are an altar. Why? Because give and it shall be given back to you. Press down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall men come and give into your bosom. So men will come and give into your bosom, which in today's it means your account. But because the bosom was where they carried finances. So men will come and give into you because you are an altar. That is why Paul could say when he was going to a church, he would say, even before I come, he says, I want you to prepare finances and send it to me beforehand. So that when I come, that you're not prepared and don't forget, so that when I come I can bring a blessing. So an altar is a transaction. An altar is a place and location, or it is a person where a heavenly transaction can be made. And Paul was so confident, he says, listen, I don't want you to wait, but send me the money first. When I come so that there's no hassle and you can be blessed and receive a blessing. That there's no limitation. Because he says, even if I come there and your heart is wanting to give, and you don't find the means to give, you cannot receive the blessing." He says, I'm not questioning your hearts, I'm questioning the avenues. In fact, the Bible says he opened up a credit and debit account with a Philippian church. Did you know that? So Paul the amplified says he opened a credit and debit account, a partnership for all those preachers that are saying, Why are we doing these partnerships? He opened up a credit and debit account with the Philippian church. They would send gifts beforehand. And then he would say, but when I get there, the blessing comes. Which means he's an altar. He's an Eden. The Bible says that Gideon placed an offering on the stone. And the angel appeared in front of the stone and he hit it with a stick, a rod. And fire came out of the stone and, he, and ate the offering, which was a barley bread, burnt it up which means it was accepted by God. So there are offerings that are accepted and the offerings that are not accepted. And as it happened the Bible says it was on a stone. Are you guys with me? Peter says we are living stones. Jesus says on this rock I will build my church. So the church is a stone, it's a rock. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. A lot of people give into wrong places, and there's no angel that can consume the offering, and it cannot be accepted in a correct way. There is certain protocol when it comes to giving so that a person can receive the blessing, and receive Paul even saying it, if you don't do it right, I cannot come with a blessing to you. Are you guys with me? Now under the new covenant, you're no longer under the curse. You're no longer under the curse. The curse was on the cross. The curse was on a tree. Cursed is He was on the tree. And He carried our sickness, our diseases, our curses, everything. He became a curse for us instead of us. But in the new covenant, He's saying, listen, I don't only really want you to stick to the tithe. I want you to give more. So you're not bound by only that, but because you are under grace, it is like you give out of your abundance there's not a law that you're going to be struck to death or even lose your salvation if you don't tithe. Never. Absolutely not. It is just, uh, it is just and, and I'm not going to be able to finish this message. That's fine. We will, I'm only halfway. We will, uh, we will still finish it. But, I, but say this with me. Say, I am Eden. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own. Let's go to Revelation 22 verse 1. Revelation 22 verse 1. Is it? No. Yeah, it's this one. And He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God, And of the Lamb. In the middle of his streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits. Each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree, in another translation says, were for medicine. I'm going to say it again. The healing of the trees... The, le- the leaves of the trees were for medicine. Ah, that's quite interesting. But anyway, are you guys with me? Uh, well, it, let me compare it uh, to Ezekiel. It actually says that in Ezekiel, my apologies. It says they fruit for the fruit and the leaves of the trees will be for medicine. If you go to Ezekiel, but I'll do that later on. So with you, I am Eden. Let's stand to our feet where you are. I want to encourage you not to miss this series. It is going to be good that you learn something. And we just touched on the river. That is it when it comes to Eden.